Well, it's been a great morning so far, and uh, we're just looking forward to what God is going to do in our midst uh, beginning tonight. And I just want to talk to you a little bit uh, this evening. I'm sure that a lot of you watched in recent days about the, um, the soccer team and the attempted rescue that went on in Thailand. You had 12 soccer players and their coach, and they were trapped in a cave. And I'm sure a lot of you watched that whole thing play out, and also you prayed for them. And thankfully, the last reports that I saw, uh, they were rescued uh, after more than two weeks. And it's hard to imagine all they went through during that time. None of us can imagine what they went through. None of us can imagine what their parents went through. Um, I'm told their ages were between the ages of 11 to 16. And think about that for a little bit, uh, what went on there. And sadly, there was even the death of one of their um, members of, of the, the SEALs there who was trying to help uh, these boys. But what a wonderful display. When you look at all those who came to their aid, what a wonderful display of love and concern and courage and even sacrifice on the part of those uh, who ministered to these people and tried to rescue them. If you didn't follow the story and you didn't hear all the news, according to the Wall Street Journal, you probably can one day watch the movie about it or read the book about it. It's already in the works to put together a movie or a book concerning uh, this rescue. But all of that got me thinking in, in Vacation Bible School uh, preparations uh, here this past week and all. It uh, got me thinking about another rescue, uh, the greatest rescue, the ultimate rescue. And it got me thinking about another book, and that is the book is the Bible. And the rescue, of course, is the rescue that we find. All this week, uh, we're going to be studying about uh, Jesus is our rescue. In fact, if you look at the logo, it says shipwrecked, rescued by Jesus. And we're going to be looking at how Jesus rescues us. Uh, so the, the children and the youth will be studying this week. Beginning tonight, they're going to learn that when you're lonely, Jesus rescues. And then Monday night, they're going to learn when you worry, Jesus rescues. Tuesday night, when you struggle, Jesus rescues. Uh, Wednesday night, when you do wrong, Jesus rescues. And then on the final night, Thursday night, they'll look at the fact that when you're powerless, Jesus rescues. You know, Jesus is the ultimate rescuer. And as I thought about that, and I thought about our time together this morning, I couldn't help but think about the words of the Lord Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And just one verse we want to kind of uh, hone in on today. And uh, these words uh, were spoken... Uh, in the story of Zacchaeus, y'all remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. A lot of us sang that growing up. He climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And you remember the Lord comes along and calls him down and goes to his house. And Zacchaeus is saved, and he says, I'll restore, I'll, I'll fix what I've done that's wrong. And, and we find the Lord Jesus says some words in the 19th chapter there of Luke, in the 10th verse, here's what he says. He says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, those are incredible words. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus. And here in these 16 words in the Gospel of Luke, the 19th chapter, the 10th verse, we have him telling us what his mission is all about. Uh, he says, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. So I want to take that verse apart here this morning with you and uh, take it apart and look at it and then we'll put it back together if we can. And we're going to start at the end. And the end talks about the, uh, the lost condition that man and women find themselves in. Lost. Everybody finds himself there. They find themselves lost. 
Um, I don't know if you've been lost when you've been traveling, but it's not a very good feeling. Um, I remember years ago, uh, we were living over in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and I was making a ministry visit, and uh, I was in the mountains, and I got lost. Um, I have a hard time with directions. Uh, this is before uh, GPSs were as prevalent, before we had the maps program where could ask Siri where we're going. And I got lost in the mountains. And uh, I was driving around. To make matters worse, I was running low on gas. And to make matters even worse, I did have a cell phone. Um, it was not like y'all have uh, boys and girls. I mean, it was an older cell. It was used to call people. And uh, I didn't have much of a cell signal. I think maybe I did get through to you partway through and uh, just tell her I was lost. And I remember just in the mountains lost. And I finally did come upon a gas station. And if I remember correctly, it was closed down. So I'm running low on gas. I'm lost and I have no cell service. And I'm in the mountains too. And I can probably tell you some stories about that. But um, I'll let you know it helps your prayer life. It really does when you find yourself lost and low on gas and no cell service. And wonder if you're ever going to get down off that mountain. And it feels bad just to be lost if you're traveling. But, beloved, the loss being talked about here is even worse than that. It's talking about the fact that we're lost in our sin. Uh, Jesus is speaking right after Zacchaeus had been found, after he had been saved. And, and everyone starts out like that. They start out lost. We're, uh, we're sinners by nature. Uh, none of your moms and dads have to teach your kids to sin, do you? You don't have lessons. And listen, today we're going to learn how to steal cookies and cover it up. Uh, we're going to learn how to lie. We're going to learn how to pitch a fit. We're going to learn how to cheat. We're going to learn how to steal. We don't do that. We don't have to do that. That comes naturally, doesn't it? Because we're sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. We choose to sin. We choose to do wrong. Uh, we choose to disobey God. We choose to sin. We choose to do that which God says don't do. And we choose not to do what God says to do. And we choose our own way. And our own way is a lost way. And it's a hard way. We cannot save ourselves. And we cannot get into a, a right relationship with God on our own. And you know, we're even more helpless than those boys uh, that were in the uh, cave in Thailand. We're, we're stranded. We're, we're doomed. Uh, we're destined for a horrible place called hell. And so we need rescue. We need a rescuer to come. We need somebody to come and to help us, which moves us back from the end of the verse, which is the word lost, back to the first part of the verse, where we find the title of the Lord Jesus, where it says that He is the Son of Man. Now, of course, Jesus is saying this. He's talking about Himself, and He calls Himself the Son of Man. I'm told that that title is used in the New Testament 88 times. And notice it says, for the Son of Man, notice the next two words, has come. He has come, past tense. Now put it back together, it says what? For the Son of Man has come. We're talking about here the humanity of Jesus. You know, I know it's summertime. I know it's VBS time. But we're going to blink a couple times and we'll be talking about Christmas and that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. The Son of Man has come. That is, Jesus is the Son of God. He's God. He always has been God. He always will be God. He is God. But here he says that I have become 
the Son of Man. He took upon Himself humanity. He became a man without ceasing to be God. And so Jesus is the Son of Man. He really is God in the flesh. He really is human. He's the Messiah. And we know that He came. We know that He came. For the Son of Man has come. But the question is, why did He come? What was His mission? What was His purpose in life? What was His purpose in coming? Well, you know, we studied earlier this year. We started out 2018 talking about the early years of Jesus. And that seems like forever ago, too. But you remember, we looked at the, the young years of Jesus. We saw Jesus in the Bible at the age of 12. And He says what back then? He says, I must be about my Father's business. That's why He came. That's why He was here. And we find here a little bit more about what His Father's business was all about. And we have a summary of the business. Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. His Father's business was all about salvation. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus came to seek us out. He came to look for us, to find us. And not only that, He came to save us, to rescue us. He didn't just come looking to see us. He came looking to save us. And this is the heart of God. And I want everybody to understand that and be reminded of that today. The heart of God is to seek and to save those that are lost. He has a heart for the lost. And we find it way back even at the very beginning with our ancestors, Adam and Eve. In fact, I want you to take your copy of God's Word and you're there in the Gospel of Luke maybe and put your finger there, put a marker there and turn back to the, uh, the book of Genesis. So the very first book of the Bible... Genesis chapter 3. Somebody said that, you know, we're all looking younger back then. Well, yeah, I actually had to go get some of these, y'all, and uh, wear them now. So y'all pray for me that I will uh, be able to carry on in life. You know, I, gotta, I paid all that money to get out of glasses, and now here they are. They're back. Genesis chapter 3. I want to walk you through this. You know, we talked about there's some snakes downstairs. And don't worry, they're not living snakes. And at least I don't think there's any down there living. But you never know where we live. We had a squirrel uh, the other week. By the way, the squirrel has gone to that great squirrely sky or whatever. I don't know where they go. Uh, but he's gone. So we didn't have the great squirrel revival like Ray Stevens had. Maybe we need to get a squirrel and throw in here sometime and make sure everybody's awake. But anyway, the squirrel is gone. The snakes are here, but they're, they're not alive, I hope. But here we have the story uh, beginning at verse 1. Now remember, we're talking about the heart of God. The heart of God is to seek and to save those who are lost. Here's how they got in that bad state in the first place. All right, Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman... Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, by the way, if a snake comes up talking to you, number one, that's a bad sign, isn't it? When a snake comes talking. Uh, but anyway, he took the form of this serpent. He comes talking and he, he casts doubt upon the word of God. He attacks the word of God. You say, well, does, does the devil know the Bible? He knows it better than we do. He's a scholar. and He knows how to attack the word and to put doubt there. And he loves to put a question mark where God has put a period. Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, 
Your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, here we have the operation of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. First John, we find you here in Genesis. Notice with I read verse six. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable, make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound. Now remember what I say. The heart of God is to seek and to save the lost. They've sinned. They failed. They disobeyed God. They're trying in their own effort, their own work to cover themselves and cover their sin and whatnot. And they go and they hide themselves. Notice they don't run to God. They run and hide. And it says in verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Now, we know God knew where they were. He's God. He created them. He created the garden. They weren't lost in the sense that God didn't know where they were. They were lost in the sense that they had. Uh, brought sin into their lives. And there was a separation from them and God and their relationship with God. And God comes seeking them. Verse 10. So he said, Adam, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. You see, he starts passing the blame. It's that woman you gave me. I was fine by myself, but then you brought that woman along. And she is the reason. He starts passing the buck. He starts passing the blame. And uh, it doesn't stop there. And uh, verse, verse 13, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. It's that snake. Uh, so ultimately, you notice who they blame? They blame God. Did you notice that? Um, it says that the woman whom you gave me, God, you gave her to me. Uh, the woman said, the serpent deceived me. God, you created the serpent, right? Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, do you, anybody in here hate snakes? You're in good company. I hate them too. I think it's biblical. Really do. I think it's biblical. Uh, But anyway, if you you love snakes, that's fine. But here's what happens to the snake. Verse 14. Because you've done this, you're cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go. You shall eat dust all the days of your life. Makes me wonder if they were more upright. I kind of picture this, and this is my own personal weird mind at work, and my mind is weird. I'm sorry. But I kind of think about the, the king cobra. You know, a king cobra will rear up and is up, and I imagine that maybe the snakes are more upright. Can you imagine snakes walking around your house? Wouldn't that be great? Um, maybe you do have a snake walking around your house. But anyway, that's a different sermon. <clears throat> we, we won't go there. Verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Now, I want you to notice verse 15. This is not just talking about a snake in the grass. He's about ready to bring out the gospel in the book of Genesis. You say, where's Jesus? Well, he was back at the beginning, Genesis 1-1. 
Because the Bible says in what book Colossians, everything was created by him and for him. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, here we have the gospel in the book of Genesis. And I want you to look at verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Now, what's the next part? And between your seed and her seed. Now, let's just stop for a moment. That's an odd way of saying it. Because usually when we talk about the seed, we don't talk about a woman. We talk about the man. But he says to Satan, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed. What does that mean, her seed? Beloved, that's the virgin birth in the book of Genesis. Her seed. Her seed. Mary brought forth, the virgin brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And they shall call his name Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. So we have here a prediction of the virgin birth. And then we have the cross. Verse 15. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Um, that term bruise, there was this, you shall bruise your head as the idea of crushing your head. In other words, the woman's seed is going to crush the head of the serpent, but his heel will be bruised. So what does that mean, preacher? It's a picture of the cross. On the cross, if you will, the heel of Jesus was bruised. In other words, he was put to death upon the cross, but he crushed Satan's head. He was victorious forever. Now, I want you to just get a picture of this now. We're in Genesis. Our great ancestors had just sinned, just plunged us into sin, fallen humanity here. And do you see the heart of God? He comes seeking them. And he talks about the gospel, the woman's seed, the virgin birth, the cross, the victory. Verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. That's, that's why it hurts so much. Your, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you've heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. And so we know now why things are so hard. We know why we have thorns and thistles and problems and the reason we have sickness and sorrow. And we talked about that in Sunday school this morning about the rapture and about the hope that is ours in Christ. But the reason we have to sweat and labor and there's all these things is because of sin. But that won't be forever, praise the Lord. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 20, Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And also for Adam and his wife. Now I want you to notice this next part. Because you might read it and say, well, so what? But I want you to read it and think about it for a moment. Look at verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now if you're going to make animal skins, you're going to use an animal skin for a, a wall hanging, for a rug for a hat, for a piece of clothing. 
Something has to happen. What has to happen? You have to kill the animal. I don't suggest wearing live skin animals. That can get kind of messy and painful. The, the point is this, beloved. An animal had to die, which is what? It's a picture. Here we have, long before it's ever instituted, we have sacrificial system being instituted. We have blood being shed. And of course, you remember, beloved, all those Old Testament sacrifices, the blood being shed, that couldn't take away sin. It just merely covered sin, covered sin, covered sin, covered sin, covered sin. But it was looking forward to the day when the Son of Man would come. It was a picture of the blood of Jesus, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And there in the Garden of Eden, before they're cast out of the garden, God comes and does what? He comes to seek them out and to rescue them. And He made them these coats of skin that they might be dealt with there and He might rescue them. Now, Scripture's clear. We don't go looking for God until God comes looking for us. God makes the first move. We're dead in trespasses and sin. We're lost. We're helpless and hopeless and doomed. But God comes through His Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and lives, to open our eyes, to shine the glorious light of the Gospel, to help us to realize that we are lost, that we need a Savior. And He helps us to place our faith in Jesus Christ. So I've got to ask at this point of the message, are you saved? Have you been rescued? We're all lost. We all start out that way. Everybody. But we don't have to stay that way. We can be found. We can be rescued. It's as simple as we talked about many times at Bible school. ABC, admit that you're a sinner. Repent, turn away from your sin. Believe, trust upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And then call or confess Him as Savior and Lord. You can do that today. I was down in the youth class this morning. We were studying the lesson that you were studying. And we all study the same thing Sunday mornings in Sunday school. And we're talking about what's coming, the rapture. And then we talked about the day of the Lord and a lot of those things. And beloved, the thing about it is there's going to be many that will be left behind if Jesus were to come. And if you don't know Jesus, you'd be left behind to experience a horrible, horrible time here upon this earth called the tribulation. Beloved, you need to come and place your faith in Jesus Christ. If you never have, place your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, if you've already done that, I've got some exciting news for you. And let's go this time to the Gospel of Matthew. We've said that Jesus is the ultimate rescuer and He provides the ultimate rescue. And if you are a child of God, then we're to join Him on this mission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, familiar verse to many. We often call it the Great Commission. Sad to say, it's become the Great Omission in a lot of places. But verse 18 of Matthew 28 says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, because of that, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, there's so much in that brief passage we could talk about. But I want you to notice that God, the Lord Jesus there says, we're to go and share the gospel. We're to make disciples, that is, followers of Jesus. I was talking to one of our young people this past week about baptism and church membership. And uh, I often will mention to them and talk to them about the fact, you know, who came up with this idea of baptizing people? Where'd that come from? And of course, it came from the Lord Jesus, didn't he? He said to do it. He said to go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them, helping them. And so God has called us to be on mission. And God calls some of us to go with the gospel in our day-to-day world. In fact, He calls all of us to do that. Uh, God wants you to be a gospel witness at the workplace. God wants you to be a gospel witness when you go back to school. I'm sorry I brought that word up, boys and girls. God wants you to be a gospel witness wherever you might find yourself. As you're going, uh, be a gospel witness. Be open, available, ready to share your faith, not only in word, but in deed, and to share it freely and openly. But then God calls some to pick up and leave everything here behind and go to the nations with the gospel. To go to another culture, to go to another country, to go to another state. And He might be calling somebody even here to do that. To to pick up and to literally go to another place with the gospel. And then God calls some of us to Stay where we are, going with the gospel in our day-to-day lives, and we want to help those who God has called to go to other places. And we help them how? By praying for them. We help them by giving financially to them. We lift up their arms and we help to meet their needs. The key, beloved, is that we're making disciples where God has placed us and where God has called us. We're making disciples where God has placed us and where God has called us. And so that brings us to this week. And that brings us to this day. Have you ever thought about Vacation Bible School as a missions trip? You ever thought about Vacation Bible School as a missions trip? You say, well, I don't know. Preacher, I won't be going that far. Maybe you just live minutes from here. Maybe you live 30 minutes from here. Uh, wherever it is you might find yourself. You say, I, I don't have to go very far from my home. But did you know that this week is all about what we've been talking about all day? And that is how Jesus rescues. There's going to be people here this week. In fact, there are probably people here this morning who do not know Jesus Christ. They don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. They've never admitted their sin and repented and turned from their sin and placed their faith in Christ. And there are going to be people coming on and off this campus all this week, men and women and boys and girls and teenagers, that have never been rescued by Jesus. In fact, beloved, can I just be quite frank with you? Some of them don't even know they need to be rescued. They don't even understand exactly how bad it is in their life. And God has called us to be on mission with Him. So I want to talk to you about, real quickly, some practical ways that you can help with this missions trip this week. And I want you to think about that. As you're driving to church, I want you to think about, I'm going on a missions trip tonight. 
By the way, you know you could do that no matter where you're driving. You're on a mission trip. But as you come to the church beginning tonight, I want you to think about the fact that you're going on a missions trip. If you're coming to work at Bible school, how can you do this? Well, first of all, you can pray. In fact, we've got to start there. I don't care how good the decorations are, how great the music is, how prepared we are with the meals and the message and the games and the crafts and all that is great. And I'm so thankful for all that. But no matter how great that is, if God does not work through His Holy Spirit, we're not going to see the impact that we could see. We're not going to see boys and girls and teens and men and women trusting Christ. It's key that we pray. We need to pray for ourselves. You know why? Bible school is tiring. It's tiring. Work all day and then come to Bible school. Pray for yourself. Pray for your fellow workers. Pray for the struggles that people are dealing with. And then pray for those that are coming, those that are teaching, those that are leading the various rotations. Pray for the worship service. Pray for all the different areas and things that are going on. Pray for those that will be or don't know Jesus. That just stepping foot on this campus, they would sense the love of Christ. They would sense there's something here I want to know more about. And pray that God would work through all of us to reach them. Secondly, can I just say, we want to encourage you to invite others. There are folks who would love to come to Bible school. Folks who don't even know about Bible school. Folks who have never even been to a Bible school. Why don't you invite them this week? It's a great, it's a great stepping on point. Some folks are so intimidated, you invite them to church, and they I don't want to go to church. I'm scared to go to church. Well, you invite them to Bible school. It's a little bit easier move, maybe. And maybe you've got some neighbors, some friends, and I want to invite, encourage you to invite them. By the way, can I just say, some people want to say, well, is Bible school for the saved kids or is it for the lost kids? It's for both. Because those of us who know Christ, we're going to grow in our faith and talk about how Jesus can rescue us from worry and, and powerless and all these things. And for those who have never received Christ, they're going to hear the gospel. So invite others. And then thirdly, I want to encourage you to fill your spot. So what do you mean by that? Well, whatever it is God's called you to this week, be here and fill that spot. You might be coming to attend class. Be in class. Be alert. Be awake. Be ready. You might be coming to help cook. You might be coming to clean, run games. You might be coming to be a general helper. You might be teaching. You might be doing whatever it is God's called you to do. Do snacks. You might be here just to wipe noses and put on band-aids. Whatever it is that God has called you. Fill your spot. Why? Because you're not just serving Red Hill Baptist Church. You're not just serving boys and girls. You're not just serving other humans. You're ultimately serving God. So fill your spot. Take it serious. Prepare, be ready, and fill your spot. Fourth, as God gives you opportunity, share the gospel. Be open to that. You say, well, I'm not sure exactly the best way. Talk to me after the service. I'd love to give you things to help you with that, literature and things. But if you got saved, you can tell somebody else how to get saved. Tell them the bad news and tell them the good news. 
Share the gospel. Next, remember this. This is not about me. If you're coming today, tonight and the rest of this week and you're working in Bible school, you're on a missions trip. If you've ever been on a missions trip, you have to learn real fast. This is not about me. It's not about what I want necessarily. It's not about what I feel or what I think. It's about other people. And if we were to bring that attitude, that heart during Bible school, and that were to spill over into the rest of the year at Red Hill, I don't think you'd be able to beat people away from this place if people really knew when they came here that they were loved and they were valued and they were treasured. If they knew that those people that go up there to that church on the hill, they really do care more about me than they care about their own comfort and preferences or whatever it might be. They really do care about me. I learned a long time ago from an evangelist and some evangelism training that I did, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so I want to remind us all as we come, because we're going on a mission trip this week. We're not going far, but it's a missions trip. When you come, pray. When you come, bring other people with you. Invite them. When you come, be ready to fill your spot and do what God's called you to do. When you come, be ready to share the gospel. And when you come, just remind yourself. Now listen, you're going to need to know this. Because it might be a little bit too hot for you. It might be a little bit too cold. You might be sweating more than you're used to. Uh, uh, those kids didn't wear deodorant tonight. You wish they had. The meal wasn't exactly what I wanted. But it's not about me. It's not about me. None of that matters. What matters is what God has called me to do. And that's serve Him by serving others. I told you, I think it was last week, this is one of the most important weeks of our year. And I really mean that. This is a life-changing time, and it ought to be life-changing for all of us. You say, well, I'm already saved. Well, praise the Lord. May you grow this week like you've never grown before. May we die to self like we've never died to self. And may we exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, like He hasn't been exalted in a long time in our lives. Now, the invitation is simple today. We're going to sing that song we've been learning together, Rescue Me. Some of you need to be saved this morning. You need to just step out and come on down and say, Preacher, I want to receive Christ. We'd love to pray with you. Danielle's here. She'd love to pray with you. Others here would love to pray with you. We're not here to embarrass you. We're here to help you. We want to call you this morning to say, you need to be saved, you come. You just come while we're singing. We'll pray with you and help you. And then others, you say, I'm already saved. I already know the Lord. But maybe you want to come today and you want to pray. You want to just pray for Bible school. You want to pray for those who will be here. Maybe somebody really upon your heart you want to pray for today. The altar is open. Why don't you just come and kneel here? And say, Lord, I, I just want to pray. I want to ask you to work. Because I realize that if you don't work, we truly are shipwrecked. We, sh we, sh we truly are in trouble.
And so, Lord, I want you to work. So the invitation is twofold. If you need to come today and be saved, we'd love to invite you. If you just want to come today and pray for Bible school, pray for what God put upon your heart, you come and do that. All right? Remember this, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The ultimate rescue. Let's stand together. Let's sing. Thank you.